premium doesn't actually mean anything in AFCO label guidelines. So I personally take that as if you see premium on the label, it's the manufacturer trying to trick you to think that it's better quality. That's a big difference right there. So the kibble could be as high as raw because it's plus or minus 12, but it also could be as low as about 60%. Whereas with raw, the lowest that it would be is 80. So that's, that's a really big difference. Very inhumane practice of declawing cats. And I say that it's inhumane because the human equivalent of declawing would be like losing the tip of the finger down to the last knuckle. Hey friends, it's Jess Angerico, and today we're going to talk about why raw is best for your cat. We're going to talk about different studies that prove this, and we're also gonna talk about picky cat solutions because I'm sure that's your next concern is that my cat won't eat new food. He doesn't wanna eat anything but dry food. I have solutions for you, and I have some inspirational testimonials from cat parents that were going through the same thing as you but they made it through and now their cats are eating better quality food. We're also going to talk about the truth about declawing cats. Let's get started. So the first study we'll talk about that proves that a raw diet is better for cats, proves that raw is digested easier. So this was a study among kittens. So the kittens were fed this wet food and a properly balanced raw food. And I'm really glad that they actually balanced the raw food diet so that they can compare it properly. So it met all of AFCO's guidelines for nutritional needs of growing kittens. They found that the raw diet had higher digestibility and a decrease in fecal matter. And I've seen this with Jericho as well. So he was previously eating wet food when he came to me, and then I slowly transitioned him to better and better quality food until I got to raw. Previously with wet food, the poops smell, there's a lot of them, but on raw, the poops are very small, they're well-formed, and they don't smell at all. My best friend was sitting on the couch next to Jericho's litter box. Jericho went poops and I said, hey, do you mind, I gotta go clean the box. He just went and my friend said, I had no idea he even went. <laughs> also, when I worked as a cat sitter, I remember I would go into the home and the cat had just pooped and the smell would literally smack me in the face, like almost hit me on my back because it was, it was so rancid, but with raw, decreased fecal matter, and it's also not stinky. And in the study, they said that higher exposure to bacterial degradation products, pathogen exposure, or nutritional differences may have stimulated a more robust immune response in the raw-fed group. And this is important because a lot of people, especially veterinarians, but just in general cat parents, when they think of raw, they say, oh, that's gross. What about bacteria? What about pathogens? But there's good bacteria and there's bad bacteria and bacteria is in us, on us, and around us at all times. And you need the good bacteria because that's what helps regulate the bad bacteria. So I'm glad that they even pointed out that some bacteria exposure is good and that can lead to better digestion and decreased fecal matter. And another important issue here that they raise is the robust immune response. And this is super important because nowadays there are so many cats that have allergies, IBD, which we'll talk about in the next section, all of these health issues, eating this commercial prepared diet that's highly processed, 
pressurized and heated multiple times because it's extruded when you're talking about kibble. And then even canned food is highly processed because it's also cooked. But a raw diet is going to have all of that beneficial bacteria and enzymes in it that's going to help digest the food better. There was another study among sand cats and they, they took dry food, kibble, and raw and compared the digestibility of the two. So the digestibilities for the dry matter for raw were 83.5% with a plus or minus 4.8, and for kibble, 72.7 with a plus or minus 12.3. That's a big difference right there. So the kibble could be as high as raw, because it's plus or minus 12, but it also could be as low as about 60%, whereas with raw, the lowest that it would be is 80. So that's, that's a really big difference. For energy, raw had 89.6% with a plus or minus 5.2. Kibble was 76.8 with a plus or minus 14.5. So here we have another big gap. And for protein, it was 92.4 with a plus or minus 5.3 for raw. And for kibble, 77.9 with a plus or minus 13.5. So we have really big differences. Raw, the digestibility of the dry matter is extremely higher in all instances. Kibble is extremely lower. And there's also a much bigger gap when it comes to kibble. So yes, it could be as high as raw, but it could also be really, really low compared to raw. It could be 60% compared to 80% for raw. And that's really important because digestibility matters. How we assimilate our nutrients matters. I mean, our food is fuel for our body to run properly. So the next study that I want to talk about is specifically with IBD. And with these cats, they have severe inflammation, lots of vomiting, and lots of loose poops, lots of issues when it comes to digestion, assimilating those nutrients, and problems with it coming out as well. So this was also among kittens, and in this study they had kittens that were specifically bred for this study. So the kittens were fed a raw, a whole, whole ground raw rabbit food and a premium wet food. And I just wanna note that premium doesn't actually mean anything in AFCO label guidelines. Of course, I understand that you and I have a definition for premium that we all go by, and it means that it's better quality. But when it comes to AFCO, the organization that gives these guidelines for pet food labeling, they state on their website that premium does not mean that it's better quality when, when it comes to pet food. They say that premium foods are not held to any different standard compared to any other food. So I personally take that as if you see premium on the label, it's the manufacturer trying to trick you to think that it's better quality because they know that premium doesn't mean anything. They have to follow AFCO guidelines when they create and label their products. But they know that we think premium means better quality. So be very wary when you see that word premium. It's a marketing gimmick. So after one week, the raw fed cats had significantly better fecal quality, which is insane. One week, just seven days, you're already seeing an improvement. That's an amazing, amazing improvement, specifically for IBD cats who have loose stool constantly. So after just seven days, they had improved stool quality. And after one month, the raw cats had formed hard stools while the premium wet food cats had soft 
two liquid stools, and this persisted through the end of the trial. So there you go. I mean, it, right there, that's all the proof that you need that raw food helps digestion and it helps passing them through as well. I mean, that's every IBD cat parent's dream is to have hard, solid poops that are easy to pass. Now there was a casualty, really big casualty in this study, unfortunately. One of the raw fed cats developed dilated cardiomyopathy and it resulted from a taurine deficiency. And that one cat died. And this happened way back in the 80s when they introduced pet food to cats. There, was, there wasn't enough taurine and tens of thousands of cats died because of it. And this was dry extruded kibble from two of the major vet recommended brands. But even in this study, they acknowledge and admit, well, the raw rabbit diet should have been balanced. <laughs> it's like, uh, you think, you know, if you're doing a study like this, this is what I'm happy about in the other study that we talked about, is that it was actually properly balanced. They said in this one, the raw rabbit was met like the very minimum requirements of taurine set by AFCO. And they say, oh, well, you would have thought that the natural prey of cats would be sufficient. Yes, cats would eat rabbit, but they would also eat six other proteins in the wild. Wild cats eat five to seven different prey to complete and balance their diet. And rabbit is also notoriously much lower in taurine compared to a mouse. A mouse's heart has like the most amount of taurine when you're looking at any type of protein. So I'm glad that they did this study and, and acknowledged that they should have balanced the diet and they did add a taurine supplement to the raw fed cats and the deficiencies were, were resolved. But you know, you should have chosen a wider variety of proteins for this. But they still admit that the cats fed the raw rabbit diet consistently had extremely firm, non-odorous and well-formed stools. By comparison, cats fed the commercial cat food never had stools as well-formed and usually had stools ranging from unformed too soft formed. Of course, you don't want your cat to develop dilated cardiomyopathy, but nutritional deficiencies are easily avoided when you offer a variety of proteins and supplements when necessary if you can't source all of the parts necessary. But, you know, well formed stools and non odorous stools is, again, every IBD cat parent's dream. Now, I'm sure you are like, yes, Jess, I'm on board. I want to feed my cat raw, but what about bacteria? We talked a little bit about bacteria before, but I'm still a little nervous about salmonella and parasites and you know how, how can I reduce the risk of bacteria? No worries, I got you. There's a survey from Frontiers in Veterinary Science. They sent it out to 5,611 people from 62 countries, and they concluded that pathogen transmission is rare when you feed a raw diet to your cats and dogs. The people that responded had cats and or dogs in this survey. They found that 99% were not considered to have experienced potential transmission based on their responses to the survey. That's insane. So 99% of 5,611 people from 62 different countries, veterinarians found that pathogen risk was rare. And with Jericho, he's been on a raw diet since 2018. And every time that I do a full GI panel, they test for all bacteria and parasites, it always comes back negative. So it really depends on how you source and handle the food 
Additionally, when you clean the litter box, how you clean the litter box is also essential to reduce the risk of pathogen transmission. In this survey, they found that the increase of pathogen transmission came from two different variables. So pet parents that were feeding a limited variety of proteins had an increased risk of pathogen transmission. And the other group of people that had an increased risk of pathogen transmission happened when they were feeding a mixture of raw and dry kibble. But the pet parents that were feeding a large variety of proteins and 100% raw, AKA no dry food, had a much reduced risk of pathogen transmission. They were considered to have virtually no pathogen transmission. So these veterinarians said, based on the results of this survey, confirmed pathogen transmission from raw diets to humans appears to be rare. We conclude that potential or probable cases of pathogen transmission is likely dependent upon hygiene and food safety measures and more education surrounding food safety should reduce risk. And that's exactly why I'm here. Now I'm sure that your next concern is my cat is too picky to eat good quality food. He's eating dry food. I can't even get him to eat wet food. How am I supposed to get him to eat raw? So I just wanna let you know and encourage you that you are not alone. You are not the only person in the world with a picky cat. I promise you all cats are picky about changes because they really like routine. They also get addicted to certain foods and its texture. So this makes changing your cat's food really difficult. Typically when cat parents tell me that their cat is too picky to eat better quality food, fits under a couple different instances. So number one, they're feeding dry food. Dry food is extremely high in carbohydrates and that fuels hunger and fuels weight gain as well. And typically when cat parents are feeding dry food, they leave it out all day, an all access buffet. I worked as a cat sitter with over 400 cats for three years before starting my online business. And everybody that was eating dry food, they just said, oh, just top off the bowl when it gets low. And this just encourages the cat to overeat. And then when you try to change food, you put down the wet food and nothing else, or you put down the raw and nothing else, they're like, this isn't my dry food, what are you doing? Another reason that cats get addicted to dry food kibble is that there are flavor enhancer palatants in the food. So kibble is very high in carbohydrates, even grain-free, you know, legumes, potatoes, all of those things still contribute to carbohydrates. And pet food manufacturers know that cats are not grain and carb eaters by choice. So they have to invent a way to make the food more palatable so that cats actually eat enough of it so that it's actually nutritious. Since it's very high in carbs, it's very low in meat-based protein because we all know that meat is more expensive than potatoes. So there are companies that exist that make flavor enhancer palatants that manufacturers use to spray on the dry food. And these flavor enhancers entice the cat to eat more of it and your cat actually gets addicted to it. And one company even says that they, it's like kitty crack because they get addicted to it and when you try to offer them new foods, they don't want it because it doesn't have those, those flavor enhancers that they're addicted to. They also get addicted to the texture. You know, the cats in the wild, they wanna do the same things every day. They want routine, they want predictability because that's what helps them survive. So when you try to change their food up cold turkey, <laughs> told you I make that joke every time. When you try to change up their food cold turkey, 
they don't want to accept it because it isn't their current food. So what I would do, step one, scheduled meal times. So instead of leaving food out all day, I feed at scheduled routine meal times. So Jericho eats at 7 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. So two scheduled meal times. If your cat is used to eating all day, then maybe you might wanna do three or four scheduled meal times just to break it up. Leave the food down for about half an hour, pick it up. Then in the next meal, leave the food down for half an hour, pick it up. That way your cat will get used to eating at routine scheduled meal times. This step is super important, please, please, Make sure your cat is eating at scheduled meal times first because then when you give your cat a little bit of the new food, your cat will understand, okay, this is my first meal of the day, I need to eat this unless I won't eat for the rest of the day until my next meal time. So very important first step. Next, what you can do is offer fresh food toppers like freeze-dried or dehydrated meats and organs. You can also use a bone broth. You can use raw goat milk. There are various types of food toppers on the market. I'll put some of those links in the description so you can shop around to find something that works for you. I would use one. Stick to one. You don't have to buy like 10 different things. Stick to one. It's also important to replace the treats that you're feeding because a lot of these crunchy treats that Cats also are addicted to. I'm sure you know, you shake the treat thing and they come running. Those are also very high in carbohydrates and also have those flavor enhancer palatins on them. So what I would do is replace the treats as well. That way your cat isn't getting any type of carb-rich food and it gets your cat a little more adjusted to healthier foods. So again, freeze-dried or dehydrated muscle meats and organs, so think chicken thigh, turkey thigh, beef heart, liver, spleen, any of those, beef, turkey, chicken, there's rabbit, there's duck. I would use a protein that your cat's already eating right now because that'll make the transition much easier. And again, just buy one. Don't, don't feel like you have to buy 20 bags of new treats. Focus on one change at a time, little baby steps. That's what your cat needs. So once your cat is adjusted to eating at scheduled meal times and you've completely ditched the crunchy, carb-rich treats for healthy treats, then you can start introducing the new food very gradually. And my transition plan includes a, an additional 5% of the new food each day and an additional decrease of 5% of the current food each day. So day one, it would be a 95% current food, 5% new food split. And then day two, 90-10, day three, 85-15. I would start with just one meal, not to overwhelm your cat or overwhelm yourself. And I would also start with the breakfast meal. Try to use hunger to your advantage because your cat's more likely to eat up all of the food at breakfast than he is dinner. If I was introducing raw food to a kibble-fed cat, I would start with freeze-dried raw because it looks like kibble in its appearance, in its shape, and it also crunches like kibble, so it's kind of like the same texture. So your cat will probably eat it without even realizing it. And with that transition plan, let's say you're feeding 30 pieces of kibble, feed 29 pieces of kibble and one piece freeze-dried raw. Day two, 28 pieces of kibble and two pieces of freeze-dried raw. Literally like very, very gradual increase of the new food and gradual decrease of the current food. Then to get your cat used to eating like a wet, mushy texture, rehydrate the freeze-dried food 
very, very gradually as well. So, I mean, if you gotta do it, you gotta do it. One drop of water, next day two drops of water. You know, you have to work with your cat, you know, and just think about your long-term goals. You know, I wanna feed my cat raw, I wanna get my cats eating better food. This is the way to do it, it's best for your cat, and it's best for you too. It's less overwhelm, it's less stress, because it's such a small amount of food, your cat will eat it, probably without even realizing it. Now at this point, I don't want you to feel overwhelmed or stressed or anything. I wanna give you all of the information so you know exactly what to do. And I understand that with a lot of information comes overwhelm. But again, you're just going to focus on one little transition each day, one tiny upgrade each month. If, if you wanna take it month by month, that's perfectly fine. Honestly, your cat would prefer it. But I do wanna read some testimonials from cat parents that were struggling and with my transition plan and advice, they were able to get their cats from their current food to either wet or raw. So V says, Thomas is finally eating raw food. Thank you for helping me improve our routine. Stay calm and have more fun time with Thomas as he started trusting his food. So this is super important. I'm glad that you mentioned routine because Cats love routine, they love predictability. And in this situation, she, you know, she was saying, he doesn't wanna eat it, I'm getting frustrated, this is stressful. So I said, take a step back, try playing with him. Get out the wand, his favorite toy, play with him before his meal time. Focus on having fun instead of focusing on the negative of he's, he's not eating raw, you know, he's too picky to eat raw. Focus on playing with your cat first and then feed him and then just think about the fun that you just had playing with your cat. I mean, Jericho cracks me up every day when we play together. Like Cats are so funny when you play with them. That's a much nicer thing to focus on. It's like, oh my gosh, we just had so much fun. My cat is so funny. Rather than, ugh, my cat's not gonna eat it today. Ugh, I'm gonna waste so much food today. Like, you know, think of, think of the positive instead of focusing on the negative. And wildcats do have to hunt. They have to run around. They have to catch and kill their prey before they eat. So. Play with your cat before you feed him because the indoor version of hunting is playing. Took a week and a half of adding a small amount of the new better dry food for my cat to finally eat it. That's another thing that I suggest in my transition plan. Maybe if your cat is super, super, super picky to dry food, really won't touch anything and it's like a low quality dry food, maybe you gotta bump it up to a little better quality. That'll help your cat get used to better eating better quality ingredients. I would use an air-dried food because that's minimally cooked and processed, but again, it still kind of resembles the shape of dry food, and it's but it's better quality ingredients. He did spend a week and a half laboriously eating around the new dry food, spitting it out and lots of meowing in protest. Aren't cats so funny? <laughs> I've read that cats meow to their humans when they feel an extra special bond, so kind of annoying when they're protesting, but it is, it is super nice to know that your cat feels bonded to you. I was ready to give up and suddenly he started eating the new food. Transitioning to wet food is going much faster. So I love this because it's very inspiring. Taking those baby steps is definitely worth the work. And you may have to go slower, but again, just think about your long-term goals. Just think about what you want to get in sight and Celebrate those small wins too. So, you know, I would be so happy like, oh my gosh, yes, you finally ate the new food. And then once you start feeling excited about it, your cat picks up on that and your cat will get excited too. The process is going much easier than I thought. They are super enthusiastic and just now both cats finish their meal in one go. 
Day one, Sky was a bit hesitant on the new smell and taste with her food, but today she was really enjoying it. And that's really great too when you see your cat enjoying his food. Like Jericho is so excited about his food. He's like purring and rubbing on me when I'm pouring it out on his mat. And I can tell that he really enjoys crunching down on those Romney bones that has a lot of mental stimulation. So once you start feeding your cat better and better quality food, there's better digestion and there's better assimilation of nutrients, your cat's going to start feeling better. So your cat's gonna play more and use the bathroom better. So it's like all of these really great things that start coming into play. And I hope those testimonials are inspiring to you. I hope that that kind of gets you in the mood and gets you pumped to feed your cat better quality food. Even though it's going to take baby steps, those baby steps are definitely worth it. Now it's time to talk about the very inhumane practice of declawing cats. And I say that it's inhumane because the human equivalent of declawing would be like losing the tip of the finger down to the last knuckle. That's right, declawing should be called detoeing because it is not just removing the claw, it's actually removing a piece of your cat's toe. Now there are a lot of cities around the US that ban declawing cats, but when it comes to the entire state making it illegal, New York was the first and Maryland was the second and Maryland actually happened recently. There are very many other countries that ban the declawing of cats and that includes England, Scotland, Australia, Brazil, Portugal, New Zealand, so many other countries that either make it illegal or consider it very inhumane and they will only let you go through the procedure with very, very extreme circumstances. Now we all need to understand that Scratching is a very natural habit of all types of cats. So even though we've brought them inside, they are not fully domesticated. You know, they still have these natural instincts. They still have these natural urges. So when the cat scratches, first of all, they remove dead layers of their claws. They also sharpen their claws, which is necessary when cats hunt. They need to be able to capture, catch, and kill their prey. So those sharp claws are necessary. Now I understand that cats indoors don't hunt, but there are many other advantages of cats scratching. It also helps them mark their territory because they have little scent glands in their paws. So out in the wild, they would have you know, a big, large radius of their territory and they would scratch on things to mark their territory. But indoors, this is helpful when you have a cat inside scratching up his furniture, that helps him feel comfortable and at home because he's marking his territory. Yes, your home is your cat's territory. Doesn't belong to you, it belongs to your cat. <laughs> scratching also relieves stress and cats do it when they're excited. So it's a really good thing when your cat does it because he's relieving stress naturally and he also does it when he's excited. So Jericho scratches every morning because he's excited to start the day and eat his food. He also scratches right before we're playing and during playing, he throws himself around the scratcher and scratches and kicks with his back claws. And then he also hops off of it, like he does a little parkour. <laughs> he's, so, he's so funny. He also scratches when I lay down and he's like, ready to come to nap time because he loves cuddling next to me and, and cuddling with me for nap time. So it's really it's a really great thing that your cat wants to scratch. I understand that you don't want your furniture to get scratched up, but it's our responsibility as cat parents to provide the appropriate scratching areas for our cats. 
Further, even declawed cats have the urge to scratch. So I just said that scratching is a natural stress reliever. Well, now you've declawed and removed your cat's claws and toes, so your cat's going to want to scratch to relieve stress, and he now he can't. So that's going to further advance his stress. That's going to further advance his behavioral issues. So declawing your cat doesn't even, actually makes things worse. Charlie, one of my mother's cats, she adopted him from the shelter. The shelter found him on the street and he was already declawed. It's very sad, you know, these cat parents declawed, the, declawed Charlie and then still let him out on the streets. You know, he had no defense. He couldn't catch and kill prey properly. I mean, I guess it's kind of a silver lining because now he lives with my mom and he has a great life. But even Charlie tries to scratch on things even though he's declawed. I had cat sitting clients whose cat, same thing, they adopted the cat, she was already declawed. She still had the urge to scratch on the scratching pad. Think about how frustrating that is, having that buildup of stress. They wanna scratch, that's their natural way of relieving stress, so they go to do it and they, they don't get the satisfaction, they don't get the mental stimulation because they can, physically can't scratch. So how do I get my cat to scratch properly? Well, first, lots of playtime because playing is the indoor version of hunting. So you gotta let your cat exercise. That's a lot of mental stimulation. So try to play with your cat at least 30 minutes a day, spread out into multiple play sessions. So what I do with Jericho is we play a little bit in the morning. He's excited right after he eats. So I make him run around a little bit. Or even if he's laying in bed and I kind of toss a ball around, you know, just whacking at it. That's still mental stimulation right there. I also play with Jericho after I give him some treats. I make him hunt for the treats, so I put little treats around on jar lids around the apartment so that he gets a little mental stimulation like that as well. That's around noon. And then in the afternoon, when I'm done working, we go out into the living room, we play then. And I also try to play with him before and after his dinner meal. So I break it up into multiple play sessions. The next thing that I would do is transition to better quality food, because that's really going to help enhance your cat's behavior in a positive way. It's going to make your cat feel more comfortable and bonded with you, honestly. Jericho is super bonded to me. He loves cuddling with me. He gives me kisses. And I truly believe that it's because of lots of playtime, really great diet. I also clean his litter box very regularly. And he has a lot of scratching areas around the apartment. So he has a cat ladder that has carpet on that that's scratcher friendly. And he also has two scratching posts that he really loves. Now I hear what you're saying, you know, I got my cat all these scratching posts and he doesn't use it. You have to teach your cat how to use it because we know what it is, but they don't. I bought a new scratching post for Jericho recently and made an entire video showing unboxing, putting it together, and then showing three different ways that you can teach your cat how to use his scratcher. So I'll put that video in the description. Thank you so much for listening and watching our podcast. And I would love to hear from you. Tell me what topics you would like me to cover. And it would be really helpful if you left a review so that other cat parents wondering if this is right for them, if it's worth their time. And it would really help them know that this is valuable information. And we want to help as many cats as possible. So thank you again for watching. And I hope you and your cats have a wonderful day.